Is your cell phone bill out of control? Then this is your wake-up call. The new TrackPhone Wireless gives you unlimited talk and text starting at $20 a month, no contract, plus unlimited carryover data with active service. Yep, the new TrackPhone Wireless. Now you're in control. See terms and conditions at trackphone.com. Welcome to Midwest Mind Mail with your hosts, Josh and Jason. Welcome back to Midwest Mind Melt. I'm your host, Josh, here with Jason. And um, I got a special guest today. Um, I've known this guy for a long time. Rodney, how you doing, man? Doing well. How are you? I'm not doing too bad. I'm doing better than Jason over here. Jason, how oh, you man. doing? Not too bad. It's been a rough week, but that's all right. You know, we, we all have hurdles. We just get over them. Sure, sure. What's so rough about this week? Oh, just a lot of a lot of at-home issues. Oh, so, yeah. But yeah. it's all good. It happens. So, yep. No doubt. One thing uh, I want to mention before we jump right into the discussion today is, you know, um, I've known Rodney for a long time, actually. We haven't really hung out a whole bunch, but uh, I first met him back in 2002, would have been probably. Uh, when I first moved to Nebraska, I was a little kid. My parents signed me up for a Nebraska, or not a Nebraska, a karate, <laughs> a karate daycare. Cause Nebraska Tay. That's right, Nebraska Tay. But... Uh, and I can't remember, but I remember you were a teenager, but you were, like, helping out with the staff, watching us kids after school. Um, I mean, you would have been about 15, 16 at the time. Uh, but, yeah, that's when I first met you. And then one day I'm, I'm walking the yard at the pen, you know, fast forward back to, you know, in, like, 2015. And I'm walking the yard of the pen just, you know, doing my thing, watching inmates, trying to run down the clock. And then I see an OJ tier. And I'm like, this guy looks really familiar. And sure, sure as shit, it's uh, it's Rodney. So I remember um, the first time I noticed you at the penitentiary was when you were walking an inmate up after you just sprayed him in the face because right. he was fighting. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't recognize you at the time, but you looked familiar to me. It's not so true. I- he wasn't fight. He just he gave me he gave me a dirty look, and I just okay. like, had to spray him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But yeah, no, I was I was probably about 15 back in 2002. I started karate when I was 14. Um, and then when I was 15, I got into kind of helping out with the kids' classes to kind of help pay for my training tuition. And I uh, wasn't old enough to drive the vans because we had these big vans that would like pick all the kids mm-hmm. up from school and stuff and bring them back to the karate school. I got to tell that was embarrassing as shit because <laughs> these big red vans would show up at my school and all the other kids they are getting picked up by their parents or they're walking home or they're getting picked up by their daycare and kind of a more normal looking vehicle. But these big old damn red trucks show up and it says uh, Okinawa karate or something on it. And it's, it was embarrassing as shit. Yeah, karate care yeah, is what I said. Have all these kids like doing like fake karate moves. You know, making fun of us and shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's true i so i drove those vans for a while but back when i was 15 i wasn't old enough to drive them yet so my job was basically to get there before the kids got dropped the first kids got dropped off so the actual drivers could drop off the kids and i could kind of supervise them while josh destroyed everybody at ping pong oh yeah i remember that. <laughs> that's the asian side of me but yeah. uh, no you were pretty good you were you're beating some of the staff at ping pong Damn right. You know, it's it's one thing for Midwesterners, you know, it's it's no it's a known fact. This is just science. Midwesterners are not good at ping pong. Yeah. No, well, beer pong on the other hand. There's there is like uh if you watch the Olympics and ping pong and stuff or the world championships, there's some crazy things you can see, but it does seem to be like more 
prevalent in Asian countries. Yeah, absolutely. Ping pong, you know, as the Chinese <laughs> call it. Ping pong. <laughs> hey, Rodney, do me a favor and pull this mic closer to your face. Yeah, just a little bit. Sure thing, about, about one fist distance here? Not one yeah. fist. That's right. <laughs> about that, yeah. Is that better? That's right. Perfect. So uh, what, what originally got you into karate? So I wanted to do it for a long time. Not specifically karate, but I was interested in martial arts. I was fascinated. I watched the Power Rangers a lot growing up. Oh, yeah. uh, Walker, Texas Ranger mm-hmm. was a big thing. Um, so I was interested in it. Um, I guess I wasn't like super into any specific sports. So that okay. kind of left that void. At first, I wanted to try judo, but my grades sucked. So grandpa was like, no judo for you because oh, you got bad grades. And then a couple of years went by and he kind of, you know, decided I could do some karate. So I got into that. So. Okay. Okay. That's, that's awesome. I've always had an interest in it, but never, never done it myself. So, yeah. Now I can't remember uh, what kind, cause you know, like I, I've heard of Kempo karate. Do you remember what kind of specific karate that uh, facility taught? Yeah, it's an offshoot of Wechidu. If I said the specific kind, like nobody's probably heard of it, but yeah. but uh, Wechidu is a little bit more popular, and there's probably three main styles that are widely practiced that come out of Okinawa: uh, Wechidu, Gojudu, and Shorinju. And this one was more Wechidu based. Okay. So, but um, now I remember a specific incident at the pen. And it was during a staff assault, which originally didn't even start with you, but you ended up jumping in the middle of it. And I remember, um, I, I think some of those martial arts came in handy. Yeah. Um, well, for one thing, it comes in handy, just the mindset of being ready to do something. I think I heard you talk uh, before in one of your previous podcasts about do something, especially when it comes to rendering aid to like mm-hmm. victims of, Absolutely. of like mass killings or yep. tragedies, or I guess even if you were driving, you know, past a car wreck or something, you see somebody hurt, yep. do something, right? Mm-hmm. And this was not the first time staff members have been assaulted there. Um, I think at that time it was pretty much a weekly occurrence. Um, it was a bad and, time. And I'm not talking about like a staff member. Um, being rude or not giving an inmate their way. I'm talking about like uh, inmates specifically going out of their way, targeting a staff member, ambushing them with the sucker punch. Oh, wow. That's that's the kind of thing that's happening on a weekly or biweekly basis. There, so. And I remember this specific incident was two on one. It was two inmates on one staff. It was very coordinated. And uh, you just happened to be in the area. Yeah, they were, I guess they were mad about something specific. Um I feel like they were wrong about what they're mad about in the first place, but um, the way things work with them, I guess it made sense to them at the time. So impulse control. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I was I was running the yard that day too. I was three seven, so um, I was kind of trying to keep track of who was where, and I was out there, and it happened kind of right next to me. So I saw that was going on, and it's hard to tell when you see something like that. You mm-hmm. see. Um, cause you know, we all wear uniforms, so we all kind of are dressed the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you see like two inmates on top of somebody and you see them going like this. You don't know what's happening. Like, are they stabbing them? Are they mm-hmm. punching them? And Absolutely. at first I thought like, you know, they could be stabbing them. But even like two guys on top, you know, punching oh, yeah, down. Absolutely. Like I'm thinking this guy's getting killed right now. Like yep. that's that's what's going. Yeah, he's on. gonna die. So so yeah, I I jumped into that. Um, you know, in retrospect, I would have done things a little bit differently. I would have jumped in, no doubt. You know, you have to. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's something that I was ready to do because I was aware that this was happening all the time. 
mm-hmm. I was waiting for my turn. You know, I was, yeah. waiting, I was waiting for my turn to jump in because you got to have like your coworkers backs. You know, we're, yeah. we're family and there we're, we're all that we've got. Yeah. So um, basically when I saw that, I kind of jumped in. I pulled the first guy off. I was going to pull both of them off, but the first guy pulled, you know, turned around to start fighting me like once, once yeah. I pulled him off. So I had to deal with him. You know, he kept fighting Absolutely. me. Um, but that was unnecessary. Like what I should have done probably is just, you know, sunk in a choke and just rolled off, just dealt with him, mm-hmm. let the other responding staff take care of the other guy. But I pulled him off. Cause I was thinking I'm going to pull him off and then I'm going to pull this other dude off. Yeah. So, so I ended up kind of like scrapping with this guy a little bit, um, when probably I should have just choked him and, you know, but it's, it's better to do something than to do nothing, you know, and you're not always going to do the right thing in a fight. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. how, how well you train. You're not going to do exactly what you train to do. Exactly. You're going to, you're going to do, um, maybe something similar to what you train to do. Yeah, I just thought it was funny because when I watched the the video, I remember seeing a specific female staff who was right there the whole time who did nothing, and she got scrutinized for it. But um, uh, the other thing I found funny was it was kind of hard to tell, but um, definitely talking to other staff who responded to that, the inmate had this oh shit factor, like you know, had this oh shit look in his face once he realized that you know you're not there to tackle him, that <laughs> you were actually fighting back. Well, and that's that's one thing. Um, there is. Obviously, there is appropriate uses of force, mm-hmm. and that gets misconstrued with how um, what people are expecting, right? So, I think some of them were kind of under the impression that we just can't hit them at all. You know, yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's very common. Like they're they're like, no, you can't hit me. You know, you're one of the staff or whatever. Yeah. Like, you can't hit us. But the thing is, like, you change that when you've got two people attacking one guy. Mm-hmm. When you when you're when you're punching me, you know, like that's not. I'm not just going to like grab you, you know, if you're punching me like yeah. that's, mm-hmm. you know, and so there's, there's certain things you're trained to do that is how you should handle things when you're in control of the situation. Mm-hmm. When you got three staff members there and one inmate, some of the things that you're trained to do are probably going to work a little better. Right. Yeah. Um, some of these guys are, are really strong. Like they're, they're not messing around. They've been fighting their whole life. You know, they're, they're tough. They lift weights all day. So, I mean, if you think you're just going to like go in there one-on-one with them and do slap them in the neck and that's going to cut it, yeah. you're, you're dead wrong. Or, yeah, absolutely. Or uh, you think that you're going to just like put them in a hole and that's... It, it's almost like at that point, your pressure points just, they're, 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 they're voided. They're, they're not going to work. It, it's because you're misapplying them. You're trying to use a wrench for when you need a screwdriver. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. Like the, it's not that pressure points don't work or can't work. It's that you have to use them in the right context. Yeah, absolutely. When you've got two guys holding them down, then you can come in, do mm-hmm. your pressure point to get them to, okay, okay, okay. Yep. I'll yeah. puff up, you know. Yeah. Versus um, if it's just you and you're mm-hmm. trying to hold them down and do pressure points and they're trying to punch your face, no. Now, I don't know if things have changed since you were there or you were there, Josh, but I know like, like when I was doing corrections for the military, it was, uh, we always had a ratio. I think it was like one one officer to three inmates, I think is what it was. Is there something similar at the pen? No. No? So there's not so there's not like a ratio you guys have to go by? Um like you know, wait, so like so staffing wise, like this- I mean obviously like your like your cell blocks, like your like your um gen pop. Right. You have you have like two guards. Mm-hmm. One most of the time, then you have one guy sitting in the in the in the control center. Um but for the most most part when you're like escorting them to chow or when you're escorting them to the yard or whatever it was always one sold or one 
officer per three inmates. Yeah, there probably is a recommended uh, you know, standard number of staff you need to have present, but it was definitely not followed. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I, I just think to myself, three, three inmates to one, to one officer is just that, that, that's just. I'll, I'll tell you, there's times where I've walked down the yard and there have been literally a hundred inmates all around me, and no staff members in sight. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if they want to, if they want to get you, they can. Like, there's right. no, there's no question. It's not like you know, in, in a way, they're, you're kind of depending on the fact that they don't want to get in that much trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you can't always. Depend Did you guys on have it. like a like a rapid response? Like, okay, so wait, say if, if you're getting assaulted. I know some facilities uh, have like like uh, a thing on them that like if it falls, it alerts somebody. If or if it gets knocked real hard, or there's a button on there you can hit. There's a tiny orange button that you're not going to be able to press. Okay. While you're getting is that on your radio? Yeah. Okay. It was actually recommended not to because once you did press that button, it was called the the body alarm. Once you press that, your radio traffic just shut down. Yep. And oh, wow. you couldn't transmit. So it was recommended That's actually not to do that. Y- you want to just yell out where you are. Yeah. Okay. Like if you can yell out, you know, how's unit three? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, be, be, then... because the thing was, you know, people used to press these things on accident or, yeah. you know, it would just, and so. And then they go running. Yeah, yeah. So when it, when it really happened, you didn't want to just press it because yeah. people weren't going to be running to you. All I know is, is, is in the military, we were issued, issued whistles and I'm like, okay, this is not going to work. This whistle well, is not going to work. The inmates College would make, campuses do that, too. The inmates would make so much fun of us if we were walking around with whistles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. It just it wouldn't be a good idea. Um, moving away from corrections, because I talk about corrections way too much. Absolutely, as it is. yeah. Uh, you left us, or you left corrections in 2017. I can't say us because I was gone at the time, too, <laughs> <laughs> until I came back. But, uh, yeah, you left in 2017 to pursue a career in law enforcement. That's right. And... How long have you known that you wanted to be in law enforcement? Only since I like was at corrections and I found myself. I remember being in this little control center. You're so enclosed. It's like a little fishbowl where all the mm-hmm. inmates can stand around and, you know. Yeah, talk shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I could see through some like little window. And I could see out. And I saw cars driving by. Yeah. I was like, man, I'd like to be out there. Right. And, and then all these inmates are like talking smack. And you're like, you know, I would only have to deal with like maybe 1% of these types of guys. Yep. But I also get to deal with like the general public in more positive ways as well. Yeah. So I thought to myself, maybe the actual like cruising around doing police stuff might be. Might be worth it. Might be better, you know, yeah. and especially it pays a little better without uh, overtime, you know. Yeah. If you want to work 80 hours a week, then you can make more money in corrections than you can as a street cop. But, yeah. But if you only want to work 40 hours a week, then you can make a lot better money. One disclaimer I want to just point out real quick for our listeners is that um, we, we have done an interview with uh, law enforcement uh, personnel before. And uh, Ridge, my good buddy Ridge, he's um, um law enforcement in a very small rural uh, midwestern town and i just want to point that out um meester here or rodney here with us today is actually uh um, in, in a mid-sized city so a little bit different perspective i think will be offered today mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'd say so it is it is different a lot different but did corrections help prepare you a little bit for um the streets in a lot of ways, um, usually the and it, some pretty useful ways too. Um, 
I think when I deal with someone who's a little bit more problematic, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're giving me a little more static. They don't really want to cooperate or they don't even like cops. I'm like, look, like I, I didn't really like cops that much either, to be honest yeah. with you. You know, like I always felt like they were rude. You know, I got pulled over by people and I'm trying to be all respectful. And yeah. They have a chip on their shoulder and they're kind of talking down to you a little bit. Yep. And I never liked that, you know, but um, so when somebody is kind of giving me more static, I'm used to dealing with difficult people who, yeah. who talk. And as long as it's just talk, it's just talk, you know, like yeah. I can let that roll off my back, you know. Um, so I think I, I stay pretty calm in some of those situations. And that's, I, always, that's always a good thing. I think that's one of the biggest things about, about police that people don't understand. I know, I know there's a, there's one guy we work with and I, I give him, I give him smack all the time because he hates cops and he hates them. Sure. And, and I was a military police officer, you yeah. know? And so, so he'll ask me questions and, and he'll ask me, he'll be like, like we got in a conversation. He's like, he's like, okay, if I'm, if I'm riding in the car, why, why, why do I have to give them my ID? I'm like, simply because for their safety, they want to know who they're talking to. Right. It has nothing to do with the fact that you're doing something illegal. Yeah. I'm like, the moment you tell them no, they think you're doing something illegal. Yep. Or they think that, that there's something out there that you don't want them to find. Right. And I'm like, if you just cooperate with them nine times out of 10, it's going to go faster. It's going to go smoother and you're not going to have a problem. Right. And the other part of that too is, um, if you're just riding in the car, you don't really have to, unless they're suspecting you of committing some kind of crime. So, exactly. So and that, that's another thing as like someone who wasn't always a cop or didn't always grow up wanting to be that. Like, I kind of understand that sometimes people just want to assert their rights and it's not because they're hiding something. Yeah, exactly. And that's his situation. He's like, you said, he goes, it's my right to not, to not provide that. I'm like, yep. I'm like, yeah, but you make their job more difficult when you don't cooperate. Yep. I said, you know, they, they, they're just doing a job. I said, you, you get in, in the, I think that this is, I, I say, I say this a lot to people who have issues with cops. Cause I have a lot of respect for police officers. Um, I had an uncle who was a police officer who was murdered, mm-hmm. um, shot in his patrol car, um, when I was really young. But, um, I tell him, I'm like, I'm like, just, just do what they ask you to do. I said, you know, the more you fight with them, the harder they're going to make it on you. Yeah, if you don't have warrants, then you're probably not going to lose anything by exactly. telling us who you are. And it, it's, it just will speed up the contact, which is good for you and good for us, you know? Yeah, and I and I tell them, I'm just like... get you on your way. Yeah, I tell them, like, just because you chose not to wear a badge and they did, mm-hmm. that that's that's not on you. Or, yeah. or that's not on them. That's on you. I mean, you, you could wear the badge if you really wanted to, but you choose yeah. not to. And I think, you know, it does add some perspective. You know, there's a lot of things that I understand about it that I didn't understand before, mm-hmm. but I, I still don't understand what it's like to be a police officer in Detroit. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't or know, Chicago. I don't know what that's like. Yeah. Right. Or even, you know, I don't understand what it's like being a, you know, a cop in one of these small towns, like what you're saying. Like, that's yeah. A, it's a different gig. It's a different job. Everywhere you go. I, you see, I have a little different perspective because I'm not a bootlicker motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, definitely before I joined Corrections, I definitely didn't, uh, I didn't really think much about police officers. I did. I just knew I didn't want to get in trouble, you know, for smoking my weed. But uh, <laughs> I mean, that's after, everybody, yeah, right? After corrections, I definitely have a little bit more respect for the job, especially when it gets difficult. Because um, you know, one thing that's been pointed out is you know, being a police officer, a lot of times you're just dealing with a lot of people who are just lying to you all the time. They're just lying, you know. I didn't know how fast I was going, officer. It's like you know, I, I, I didn't I didn't mean to, to hit her, you know. <laughs> you know, like you're just dealing with people that are lying to you. They think you're the scumbag. They almost treat you like you're a Nazi. You know, you're wearing the uniform. You're the Nazi. Yeah. And so, like, I definitely have a little bit more respect for the title because um, you really couldn't have 
the, the society that we have without having some type of law enforcement, some yeah. type of people out there enforcing um, laws, especially on hardened criminals. Uh, where it kind of gets dicey, of course, is like all the little stupid shit that people call the cops for. Yeah, the absolutely. dumb fucking things. Oh, my 10-year-old son is throwing a chair across our living room and we don't know how to deal with it. Could you send an officer to come talk to him, please? Well, a lot of what police do is what society asks us to do. Right. So that's one of the things is, you know, when you're contacted by a police officer because somebody else called, it's because we basically, you know, we're serving the society. Yep. So we have to go and, you know, contact people. So, um, yeah, I, I get that. I get, uh, I guess I kind of understand a lot of sides of that you know i understand people who don't really like police officers but i also understand what it's like to be one and i understand like a lot of my coworkers, good people uh doing a a job and actually you know there are a lot of people who are really appreciative of the police they they really do um and i have bootlickers (laughs) (laughs) i have very very few negative contacts with people actually and part of that is where i work you know but Mm -hmm. um i do find it you know, I'm surprised that there's not more negativity. And I think some of that's media, but a lot of the media, if you think about it as being out of like big cities, you know, like yeah. the bigger media corporations are going to be uh, broadcasting out of places like LA and San Francisco, New York city, Chicago, mm-hmm. et cetera. And I don't know how the police are there. I haven't, yeah. I haven't really experienced, you know, um, any kind, there might be some people who are discriminating against people and yeah. maybe the people who are, who they're supposed to be serving are upset at them for some valid reasons. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that these people who are just going to work, trying to do their job should get, you know, treated badly Mm -hmm. or shot or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I would think also, um, because if if you're a kid growing up and wanting to be a cop, I know because I had a phase like that too. I think, I think every boy does at some point. Yeah, this is something like it, you know, cop, firefighter. I don't even think I did. It was just when I started. You, well, you were a freak. <laughs> <laughs> and you got into martial arts, you know, at 14, yeah. you know, basically watching nine-year-old kids like myself. So, you know, you're, you, you don't count. But uh, anyway, uh, it's, like one thing I would think is that you you think the job is basically putting bad guys in cuff and taking them away and you're saving society. And, Sometimes that is the case, but I think I, I would assume because I'm not a cop mm-hmm. and I would assume if I did become a cop and I put on that uniform and I started working a beat that I would notice that it's a lot more than that. And there's a lot of things that I don't uh, that I wouldn't like. like I, I would think every cop at some point has watched a criminal walk free. Yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, obviously there's specific instances that come to mind, but. Um, I think. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. No, you're, <laughs> no, you're, you're good. good. You're good. The it point happens. is, I because I, I know in corrections, I saw a lot of inmates go unpunished for some pretty uh, some pretty heinous crimes that that were pretty cut and dry. I mean, right. video evidence, uh, good report writing, yep. but some technicality, something in the system um, basically prevented them from getting their. It, no. And we work in concert with uh, attorneys, you mm-hmm. know, like the. Uh, district, county attorneys, whatever. Um, so some of it's up to them on what they want to, you know, prosecute on. Like you might give, you might issue a citation or you know whatever, and they decide not to prosecute on it. it. Might be because you messed something up, but it might be they made some kind of judgment call or maybe based on. I, I don't know what it's based on. I have to right. kind of handle the things within the sphere of my control, and mm-hmm. 
uh, what I deal with is whether a law violation occurred and if probable cause exists. But I would say a lot of what we do, the part that would surprise is we kind of problem solve for people because when people are mm-hmm. in a moment of crisis, a lot of times they're not real good at problem solving on their own. If you think about the most emotional or upset that you've ever been, you're probably not thinking real clearly about solutions. And sometimes you need someone to tell you like, here's an idea. Why don't you do this and this and this? Yeah. And then they're like, okay. You know, and sometimes just kind of coming up with solutions for people or putting people in contact with resources it's a lot of what we do. Almost like a street counselor. A, a little bit, you know, a mobile counselor, secretary, slash whatever. I mean, just it's, the, it's a broad. Get the gun and the badge. Right? <laughs> I mean. We look cool. I I love watching videos. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Live PD. Mm-hmm. I love watching Live PD. But uh, I love watching the, and it's the videos on Facebook where people are just absolutely belligerent towards police officers. And it, 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 and it makes me laugh because I'm like, these are the kind of guys that everybody's trying to protect or, or they discriminate against the police because the police had to do something. And like, if they're getting, if, if they're willing to go that far with you, mm-hmm. how much further are they really going to go? Like, and you never, you don't know. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I like that those are the videos that seem to surface over and over again because they want to, it's almost like they're trying to fill an agenda, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that's where the negativity comes in, where police officers are concerned. Yeah. But I mean, nine times out of 10, I'm, you know, there, there's bad cops out there. I'm not saying that there's not, but probably 99% of the cops out there, no matter who you are, you call them, they're going to help you. And, and people forget about that because they see one bad report or one, one bad, bad seed and, and they're just like, oh, all cops are, are you know assholes or whatever the case is and it's just and there's there's probably a high percentage that are maybe a little bit in that spectrum of being a little prickish which but but some of it's the nature of what they've experienced exactly. some of it's their training some of it's the type of people who get attracted to that kind of career yeah yep. um and so it's but there's a difference between being kind of a prick and um not treating people like you can be kind of a prick and still do a good job or be a good cop overall ethical Absolutely. make good decisions and mm-hmm. stuff but i really believe strongly in treating people well i think that's important and i think a lot of issues can be prevented by treating people well you right. just have to be careful that you're not like letting your guard down so much that yeah you're just gonna get you know punked by somebody so. yeah Absolutely. And I definitely think the martial arts, I mean, because when people think martial arts or when I start talking about it, we kind of start talking about the physical aspect and, you know, the, the mm-hmm. fighting, but the mindset, you know, you, yeah. you'd mentioned that earlier, uh, the mindset of martial arts, I think, um, I think it's, it's really helped you, especially throughout life. Yeah. And, um, definitely for law enforcement. Yeah. Just how the, has that, it helped that you? Self-discipline. Well, the way I see it, I think the more like... And, you know, I, I don't want people to think that I'm just on here to be a tough guy. Um, actually, I agreed to talk about anything that we were, you know, oh, yeah. wanting to talk about. And Absolutely. Josh said, since we'd met through martial arts, he wanted to talk about the martial arts. And I hated you back I, then, you fucking prick. <laughs> I, I have done I have done a lot of, yeah, I made him do push-ups. Yes. He was, no, it made me follow rules. He was kind of a chubby kid. <laughs> he didn't like it. <laughs> he was pretty good at the sumo, though. Oh yeah, well, so I'm kind of built for we, it. We legitimately had a thing where we did sumo and we had the kids like they tried to push or like throw each other out of this ring or like trip each other and like throw each other down the floor. Mm-hmm. So it's it's basically just all takedowns. Um, but if your knee touches or your hand touches, you're out. Yeah, you're out. You lost. Oh, okay. So, but he was 
pretty good that he he beat bigger kids than him. I was pretty. I was pretty. Uh, I'm built for it. And like I said, <laughs> I got a mean bear hug, and I like to eat. So right. There's nothing wrong with that. So so to kind of uh, elaborate, I don't know how I got off on that, but to elaborate, <laughs> oh, the tough guy thing. So um, I think that the tougher you are, or the more dangerous you are, the nicer you should be. Like to me, that's that's my personal ethic. I don't, you know, I guess maybe you can't impose that on anybody, but. Yeah. Um, there are definitely, if you look at, you know, there are some dangerous dudes who are, you know, MMA yep. fighters or, um, you know, maybe uh, military guys or yep. something, you know, who are who are probably pretty dangerous, and they're they kind of walk around like they're tough guys, right? Yep. Um, and so it doesn't make you less tough to act like a tough guy, but you don't have to act like a tough guy yeah. just because you are tough. And I think the more the more you can get into kind of like a intense side where you're going to tap into that and you're going to fight and you're going to yeah. go at it. You also have to cultivate the peaceful side of being kind to people yep. and uh, being compassionate and stuff like that. And if that's what you lead with, you almost never have to reveal that other side of yourself. You know, it's, it's underwater, like an iceberg. Yeah. You see that iceberg above the water but yep. you don't see what's underneath what's underneath and yep. that's that's what it is you should lead with your your kindness and just being a good person and being friendly and gentle um but you also have to have the other side so there was uh one kata is one of the ones that you would have known where you kind of end up you know in this position and that's um it means inyo yeah means inyo in the japanese or like yin yang in the mm -hmm. chinese it's, that, ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that it's like the circle with the little yeah. squiggle and the smaller circles inside of it and it can stand for balance or complementary opposites such as breathing in breathing out pulling pushing offense and defense up and down right and left all those opposites as it would directly apply to martial arts but also meaning um i don't want to fight Mm -hmm. um, I want to be peaceful. So the hand covers the fist. But if you insist on taking away my option of peace, I have violence as an option. So that's, you know, part of that mindset, I think. That's a really good way to look at it. It's very similar to the yin and yang. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah, um, I've never looked at it that way. That's a... Uh... But you're right. There was a there was an, uh, a sergeant in my unit when I first got there who is a black belt. And and if you had met her on the street, you would never know this about her. Mm -hmm. She's the most caring, most she's probably five, four, maybe 120 pounds, tiny. But she is a, the nicest person you'd ever meet in your life. Probably one of the nerdiest girls I've ever met, too. And you just you wouldn't know that about her. And a lot of martial artists are nerdy. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's one of those things. It's like you, like, like you said, you know, there's people that exude that. Oh yeah. This is who I am. My grandpa was special forces in Vietnam, but if you ever met him, you would never know that he's right. the goofiest guy you'll ever meet. He laughs yeah. at his own jokes because most of them aren't funny, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy to think, like you said, you know, you, you, you see the tip of the iceberg, but you don't really see mm -hmm. what all's below it. So, yeah. Um, do you watch any like MMA or? Absolutely. Yes. Um, I love MMA. One thing that I love about the art of MMA is it really exposed and um, it definitely uh, it, I mean, it exposed both sides: the fake martial arts and the martial arts that work really well. Yeah. Um, I think the jujitsu uh, definitely has grown in pop in uh, 
popularity since MMA came out because people see how effective it is. Yeah. Do you think that maybe Joe Rogan had something to do with that too because he talks about it so much? <laughs> Absolutely. That, that, that's his career. But yeah. but I mean, in in reality, I, it's it's almost uh, like you said that the mentality of it it teaches it teaches you mental focus. It, mm. it teaches you better things, and uh, I I feel like like definitely it the fact that it's grown in popularity isn't a bad thing. Yeah. And it teaches incremental self betterment. You know, like yeah. When you have with the traditional martial arts, you had more of like a belt system, and you have that in jujitsu too. Yeah. Um, in MMA, if you went to some MMA gyms, you're never going to put on a gi or a belt. But there is incremental improvement mm-hmm. of yourself. You you know that you're moving forward steadily, and if you stick it out and you keep working and keep working, then uh, you're going to get better and improve. And I think that's another aspect of that mindset that can be applied to other things in life. But yeah, um, jujitsu is is a really interesting one for sure. I've done some jujitsu. I did about uh, kind of three years off and on, mostly training in the gi, um, which um, in karate we called it a dogi. It's like a uniform yep. with the lapels oh. across like okay. that, usually white, and then you tie like a colored belt around it. Um, in jujitsu, they also have a gi. It's usually thicker because they do a lot of grabbing and pulling and they choke you with your own gi. Um, so that'd be embarrassing. That's, that's an enjoyable (laughs) for a turn on (laughs) (laughs) auto erotic asphyxiation, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, so that's something, but then, you know, there's, there's elements of that too. So, um, training with a gi, obviously, you know, that has some application in MMA, but you're not wearing a gi in the MMA. Um, what Joe Rogan does is 10th planet jujitsu where he doesn't wear a gi. And I've done a little bit of like, I've rolled with some 10th planet guys and trained. I did that for about three months. Um, unfortunately my schedule changed. I would still be doing that if I could. Yeah. Um, but, uh, there you don't use the gi. So in one, in one respect, maybe you lose the advantage of being able to, you know, practice breaking people's grips off because if you get in a fight in real life someone might grab your your shirt or your jacket and use it to kind of pull you around control your balance and your weight yeah um and so you get used to breaking those grips off when you're doing training in the gi yeah however a lot of times you're not going to have someone wearing the gi they're not going to and heck you might i might have to wrestle with the naked guy who's not wearing anything (laughs) And if I have to do that, you know, then it's probably more beneficial to practice like without the gi so I can control him even though he's not wearing any clothes, right? Mm-hmm. So um, Jason, put your clothes back on. That's, <laughs> oh, man. That's, oh, that's where Ooh. the 10th planet, you know, uh, Joe Rogan's friend, Eddie Bravo, kind of um, cultivated that system of jujitsu. It doesn't have to be 10th planet, but training without the gi in a way where you have like that incremental improvement, mm-hmm. I think is extremely beneficial for people. It's good for law enforcement and stuff because – it eliminates grappling eliminates that puncher's chance. Yeah. You know, cause if you, if you're really good at karate, there's some karate people who have actually done really well in MMA. Mm-hmm. Um, George St. Pierre started in Kyokushin. Yep. And obviously he's done some Muay Thai and boxing and stuff too. Mm-hmm. So he's like developed his skills even more with that. But, um, Leoto Machida did more like Shotokan type karate Mm-hmm. So there have definitely been uh, Chuck Liddell had like a Kenpo background. Mm-hmm. So there have been times where like the karate has done well for people. And, yeah. But you've always got that puncher's chance whenever you're striking. Yeah. Um, so you might be better at fighting than you were. 
but someone could still clip you with yeah. that one punch that's going to drop you. Yep. And anybody can get dropped. There's nobody who just can't get dropped. You yeah. know, someone could get, you know, someone who hasn't trained a day in their life could get that shot in on you and you're done. Yep. But if you are good at grappling, you know, you can maybe, you know, try to deflect or avoid that first punch, land your punch, take them down. And then it's a game of skill. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of luck involved in grappling. Yeah, There's a little bit of luck, mm-hmm. but once you're tied up with them, you can really eliminate that uh, puncher's chance. Yeah. yeah. And people uh, who have never done grappling, uh, you it is very tiring. Yeah. It is a very tiring, uncomfortable feeling, especially mm-hmm. if you're not used to it. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually training in the gi, because it's so uncomfortable doing jujitsu in the gi and having people on top of you in side control and uh, knee on belly. I don't know if you know what that is, but that's terrible. Um, when you're done with this, you should look up the knee on belly position in jujitsu. It's yeah. So um, I, I'm picturing it, two things. I'm picturing either a neon, <laughs> neon paint on someone's belly, or you have an actual knee. On there your is belly. a knee. It's not so much on your belly. It's more like on your sternum. Oh, and Ooh, it is, it is like crushing you and, cracking everything in here it's Oof. yeah and then they like spin around and transition to like an arm bar and then they're like extending your arm like that so but training in that um kind of prepared me for when we had to do like the four cell moves and corrections oh yeah in corrections you're wearing like these vests that don't fit you properly yep. and these helmets Shin and, guards and, and you can barely yep. breathe you yep. can barely breathe right so you have to be comfortable in that environment because if you start breathing hard because you feel like you can't breathe you're gonna like you're gonna, you're gonna pass give out. yourself you're gonna give yourself some problems and then there. your team's screwed yep. yep and there's usually some kind of chemical agent involved too like yep. usually, usually usually someone they insist on hosing them down with oc first yeah so you can't breathe at all and so if you're not used to not being able to breathe then you're gonna have a, a rough time so yep. Um, but one of the things about like jujitsu in the gi versus not with the gi, um, like, look, there's people in the gi who like, they'll, they can transition to MMA just fine. They can whoop people. They're tough guys. I'm not going to take anything away from that, but there is like a training distance. So if you're used to breaking down people's posture by grabbing their collar and kind of pulling them down, you're still in punching range. So if I'm, if I'm here and I'm grabbing your collar you could still be punching me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas if I'm having to break you down and, you know, basically give you a, one of the bear hugs that you like, and then kind of bring them down here, that's not a very good position. You don't have a lot of space to punch me. Yeah. So it's, it's not that you can't do gi jujitsu and know how to do that. It's just, if you build the wrong habits, then you're going to have, and same thing with, I mean, karate, you can build a lot of bad habits too. You know, if you, if you don't spar, or if you don't uh, do like face punches and stuff, sometimes then mm-hmm. you know you're not gonna you're not gonna know what to do. <laughs> right. Have you uh have as a law enforcement officer have you have you had to grapple people yes. like and how and how intense was that for you? Um, you know it's it's intense, but like since I've done it before, I understand like I can use a position to outlast somebody who has that spurt of crazy energy. Okay. So, um, one of the things people will talk about is like people on meth who have ridiculous freak strength. It's true. Um, but it's not, it's not that they're necessarily stronger. It's that they're willing to use all of their strength, like, like all at once. Like 
they've, they've dropped all their inhibitions. Yeah, it's it's like when you hear about like those moms who like pick a car up off of their kid or something mm-hmm. like that because they had that surge of adrenaline. That's kind of what's going on with these guys. Okay. And you have to get in a position where you're safe, you're not mm-hmm. taking damage, and you can last and keep hanging on to them. At least till somebody and, else gets there. Yeah, and jujitsu can like teach you some of those positions where you can kind of get to a safe spot, hang on to them where you can't get punched. Um, there's like a backpack position where you're behind them. And you've got one arm kind of up over the shoulder, one arm underneath, mm-hmm. and you just kind of ride. Um, there's another position I like where, um, you know, you're kind of, I can't really describe it. You've got them on their side and their arm is kind of pushed across like that. Mm-hmm. So they can't really like come like, across and hit you. Mm-hmm. So um, even if you're on the side of them clenching up, they can't hit you very hard. So if yeah. you can hang out where they can't hit you very hard and they can't, you know, gouge your eye or whatever, then... You can outlast that or, you know, hang out until help arrives. So, but yeah, it's definitely different on the street too, because uh, you scuff up your knees and yep. uh, maybe your elbows and stuff. Um, you can't, uh, wearing a belt with all the equipment, you can't roll as easily. So are, are you required to wear it on your belt or can you put it on your vest? Mm, um, it varies. Okay, so it varies by department. I, I was gonna say, say yeah, I think most most departments have have like a like a set yeah. SOP you got to follow. Most or... most places, there's at least some things that you're gonna wear on your belt. Okay, but there are some things that can probably be moved up to your vest too. Hmm. And uh, grappling is is awesome. Yeah. Like, against one person, but it is useless when you're facing like uh like let's say you were fighting three inmates on right. the gallery. Grappling would be very discouraged. Yeah, um, you know, it's you. You could definitely get hurt that way, but I mean, striking with three people is also not great either. No, they, the, um, the chances are you. You need to be. You. you need to be getting out of there. Yeah, yeah you yeah, need. You need to be there. moving. But you, you need. And in order for that, you need to be on your feet. Yeah, and you're gonna get things aren't always gonna go as planned. I no. think we talked a little bit about that earlier. Things are not gonna go the way that you plan them to be. So don't count on. Um, just because you want to grapple, don't count on being in a grappling situation. Yeah. Just because you want to strike, don't count on being in a striking situation. Yep. You could end up in hot water where you're not where you want to be. But that's one thing um, I think it's important for um, people who work in dangerous, you know, combat type mm-hmm. roles. You need to know how to like fight when it's when it's life or death. Yeah. And you need to learn how to. You need to know how to fight when it's not. Yeah. You know, like if you've got the drunk guy who's not swinging on you, who's just being kind of resistive, there's a different approach for that guy. If you've got the person who's trying to as hard as they can to run away from you, to get away, to break your grip, but they're not flat out assaulting you. Yeah. There's a different approach for that guy. Yeah. Um, if you've got somebody who you've got three on one where you are in control, there's a different approach for that. But when you've got someone who's beating your face in or has a weapon they're using it there's a you know so there's right ways to handle different situations absolutely escalation of force and that all starts with i mean a mindset yeah having a clear mind to be able to uh you know distinguish between those situations yeah don't don't punch someone who doesn't need to be punched don't shoot someone who doesn't need to be shot and you can armchair quarterback that all day yeah um <laughs> it's different when you're in the situation but it's still you have to do the right thing. Right. You're, you're the good guy at the end of the day. And that's something like I had to remind myself in corrections. Like, look, we're the good guys. Yeah. We have to, because there is a point where 
you know, your administration's not backing you up. Mm-hmm. Your friends are getting assaulted. Like these aren't just like people who you work with. Like and you, you don't you don't view it as an occupational hazard. Like your friends are getting hurt. Yeah. And these guys are hurting them, and you don't feel like you know anybody's doing anything about yeah. it. Yeah. There, I'm not going to say there's not a temptation to yeah. you know take things further than what you should. Um, but you, at the end of the day, you're one of the good guys, so you can't do that. You yeah. got to control your impulses. So, so I don't know if I can ask this, but what would you say has been your scariest moment since you've been in law enforcement? Um, well, I was, I was telling Josh earlier, uh, I think the scariest moment, I was very, very new, like probably third day. And there was a, someone said that someone had a rifle and there were shots fired and, if you can imagine what kind of radio transmission you might make um, in that circumstance where you see the guy with the rifle and then he's firing off shots, um, then you would probably imagine that that probably came out sounding real serious. (laughs) So so, um, I guess um, being new and having to drive towards that at a high high rate of speed, um, you know, it's a weird thought, you know, like you're thinking, um, this, this vest is rated for pistols. Um, you're thinking, I don't really want to be there, mm-hmm. but I have to get there really fast. And so I wasn't in a position where I was going to be the first person there, no matter what. I wasn't in a position where I could respond quickly, but being as new as I was, like that sounded pretty terrifying. And I definitely... Definitely was exhilarating for no no doubt. It didn't yeah. it didn't end up being as like as crazy of a deal as what it kind of sounded like, but it was something where I was like, I guess this is what I do. Shit's <laughs> <Right? laughs> getting real. Yeah. That's that's crazy. I I couldn't imagine. I've never been in that position, but I, I couldn't imagine for any officer what's going through their head when when they get a reports of shots fired, you know, from another officer. Whether another officer is like hearing hearing an officer's been shot come over the radio, I c- I couldn't imagine. The, the the mind oh that that would be terrible and you know i haven't heard that one i'm i'm thankful for i'm sure if i do this long term as a career you know hopefully i never do yeah but, but there is yeah but there is definitely um you know it, it could happen you have to be mentally prepared for that but in this instance you know like that's the other thing like shots fired like what does that mean you yeah <laughs> like and like I, I who is shooting at somebody is he shooting at you is he sh- like so but in that moment like what are you gonna say like when he starts shooting like you don't want to be like you know the guy well, is, it- is now shooting at the wall you know? yeah, <laughs> like, yeah you like just- you're you're gonna obviously he's exhibiting some dangerous behaviors yep. there that need to be addressed and a, a quick response is warranted in that instance but um i understand you did a little bit of like military service is that right yeah. what what did you do well, I was a I was a corrections MP, but I was a I was in a combat support okay. uh, in combat support MP unit for a little while. So I got a little bit of uh, we didn't really deal a lot with uh, with facilities as much. Right. We did a lot more like detainee ops. Okay. So uh, and then being attached to a uh, combat support MP, I kind of got a little bit of that side too. Right. So I mean, nothing too crazy. I I, I did not I've not been deployed yet. Um still waiting for my 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 turn okay how long um, have you been um going on six years okay um i'm no longer an mp i actually got out of it i uh, went signal instead dealing with computers and radios so uh, that seems to be a little a lot more fun a lot more challenging right so um it was uh so you've probably done a little bit of like combatives type stuff oh right? yeah absolutely like yeah we did a we did a lot of usd when i was doing corrections training 
Um, we definitely did com- a little bit of combatives. We didn't touch a lot on it because we yeah. didn't have time. What's USD? Uh, unarmed self-defense. Okay. So like pressure points, um, things, right. things of that nature, just basically teaching us how to get away. Yeah. If, if, if we're ever in the uh, position of a tape, you know, where we're getting assaulted or anything like that. Sure. Um, a little bit of grappling, not much, not enough to say that I, that I could do it if I yeah. had to, you know, but, um, I got a little bit of experience in it, so not much, but a little bit. It's pretty cool stuff. I, 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 I enjoyed it actually. Um, the, the only reason I got out of it was cause, uh, the, uh, the MOS no longer existed, mm. so uh, unfortunately, I couldn't do the job anymore. So I had to pick something else. So, but I, I enjoyed what what time I had in that MOS and, and what experiences I did get. So it was nice. And you did a little bit of. Be careful with the questions. Remember who's doing the interview, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. Oh, it was a conversation. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I was going to ask. I thought you had done a little boxing or something. If I understood correctly. Yeah, I used yeah. to box uh, pretty much throughout high school because. I played football and all that, but uh, team sports weren't really my thing. I don't like uh, coordinating with other individuals. So, <laughs> I thought, not a team player. <laughs> not yeah. a team player. But, don't don't uh, put that on your resume. Definitely not as a teenager. But so I thought boxing. You know, I'm pretty much responsible for myself. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I got into that, and that taught me a, a, definitely a lot of discipline. I got into it thinking, you know, hey, I'm going to learn how to kick people's asses. Yeah. And, and you I, do it I, to I a did, degree. But yeah, it was the mindset that came with it that really. Uh, sh- help shape me uh kind of make that transition into adulthood you get punched you keep going and yep right now i just eat out of boxes (laughs) yeah well it's interesting too like boxing you know people view that as like one of the more effective like components of mma you know Mm -hmm. like there's most of the people who fight mma do some boxing training right yeah um but you know it's interesting because what makes boxing so effective is that it gets pressure tested, right? Like you actually go against somebody, you actually take punches in the face, you actually give punches in the face, you see people punching, you know, coming with that punch as hard as they can. And so you learn, you know, to time it so you're able to like get out of the way, slip it, duck, um, and counter with your own shots, right? So that's one of the things is just the fact that you can pretty much do a full contact or when you spar, there's at least some contact and you're, it's, you know, there's not any of this um, like training just by yourself. There's yeah. a little bit hit the heavy bag, shadow box, etc. Right. But most of it, you're actually going against a person. Uh, it changes a little bit with like a karate type thing, you know, because for example, uh, karate, you don't have the gloves. Um, if you're doing karate sparring in a tournament, maybe you wear gloves. Mm-hmm. Traditional karate, there aren't gloves. Yeah. Um, so you punch a like a makiwara board, or you do push-ups on like hard surfaces to try to condition your knuckles, so you can hit someone in the head without busting your fist. Yeah. Um, and then at the same time, you're also, it changes how you hold your hands. So like, for example, with like boxing, you can go like this cause you've got, you've got the gloves and it takes up so much room. Mm-hmm. Whereas if someone's punching you with a bare fist and you're blocking with bare fist, that might just go right, yeah, right through. down the pipe, still clock you. Right. Yep. And you know, in a fight, someone might have a knife, Yep. you know? Yeah. So if you just cover up like this, they yeah. can still, you know, you. hit you with that knife. And a lot of the thing about knives is a lot of times you don't see them mm-hmm. until they get you. And we know this from the penitentiary, like just knowing that inmates have shanks, you know, they have, you know, those and th- you're not going to see it. You're going to think it's a punch until you like feel that blood a little bit later. And you're like, oh, dang, I got stabbed. You know, yeah. so that's something where, you know, there's a place for like intercepting that before it yeah. gets all the way to you. So there's, you know, boxing's effective. 
but it's not everything. No, you know? yeah. so not even close. And it's it's like that with all martial arts. Yeah, and I, I always find that interesting because boxing um, was was a very popular sport and and still is in in some circles, but it's kind of been overshadowed by MMA. So oh yeah, spe- absolutely. Specifically, the UFC does uh, MMA, probably the biggest platform of MMA in, in my opinion. Oh yeah, um, and it kind of came in uh, just recently really i mean 20 years ago the ufc was kind of like it was weird there was Mm -hmm. no weight classes it was uh it it almost looked like there were guys wearing like martial arts outfits there was a guy who came out wearing one boxing glove and like didn't have another boxing it it was was almost like street alley fights yeah yeah, just coordinated and now it's a lot more organized but like it kind of was a sumo guy (laughs) yeah there was yep um and it, it kind of came in by storm, and it's just mm-hmm. growing, and I don't think it's going anywhere. I think oh, when, no, it, absolutely when not. it first showed up, people were like, is this going to stick around? This is, you know, human cockfighting. But really, people, even uh, people like people like yourself, I could see why you like to watch MMA, because mm-hmm. you're a martial artist. I'm studying it, you know, and I'm not an MMA fighter. Like, disclaimer for anybody watching, like, I'm not trying to, you know, sell myself on an MMA no. fighter, an expert at mixed martial arts, but... Um, I know what I'm watching because I've done some different martial arts. Well, yeah, and exactly. I, I've, I've seen you use it, you know. <laughs> and that's, and that's the difference. Like, like I said, like I'm not. I used to be big into like UFC when I was in high school. I kind of got out of it. I was big when GSP was fighting and yeah. Chuck Liddell was I fighting GSP, and Brock yeah. Lesnar and you know all the big guys. And now, now like this person's fighting this person. I'm like, I don't even know who the fuck that is. Like, yeah. there's so many people that are doing it now, which it's 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 awesome to see such a sport break out and just just be so big yeah and i just i i i'd watch a fight and i'd be like oh look at that hit like you'd probably be like okay he's he did that now he's probably gonna yeah. do this next like i can't do that i'm not on that level at all yeah and so that's i, I that that's impressive no but yeah it, it attracts people who are interested in martial arts or mma or, or boxing yeah. but it attracts oh. also people who aren't fighters at all everyone everyone wants to know who's the toughest guy right like so it used to be everyone wants to know like what's the best martial arts right you know? yep. and so that's how kind of the ufc started what's the best martial art is it jujitsu is it karate is it muay thai it boxing muay thai wrestling you know is it just uh, Tank Abbott who walked out of a bar somewhere and wanted to brawl? You know, like, yeah, exactly. Like, like who's the best? You know, who's the toughest? Um, like now it's kind of like which individual is is the best? You know, yep. and, and people want to see the toughest person. I think that's maybe why MMA has taken a little bite out of the boxing because with the boxing you could take the best boxer in the world and you could take an MMA fighter who's maybe average skill level who can take. A couple punches without you know getting mm-hmm. completely knocked out of the same way the same level whatever um and that mma fighter you can predict they're gonna win yeah they're gonna because they're gonna, the they're gonna take a couple punches and they're gonna take them down and that was one of the fascinating things to see like the the evolution of george st pierre yeah because he came out as such a kickboxer yep he was you know he had this really cool spinning back kick that he'd land about once every fight. Yep. Um, and that was solid. I like seeing his round kicks because we did a lot of those round kicks in karate, a lot of the round kicks to the legs. That was like one of the things that we did. Um, I like seeing like he do side kicks. He kind of held his hands like I would do when I spar. So I kind of liked just watching him because I yeah. know, like he had his an interesting fighting, was real fighting style. Yeah. Um, but then when he got knocked out by uh, Josh Koscheck. Yeah. Uh, was it? No, no, it wasn't Josh Koscheck. It was uh, Matt Sarah. He got knocked out by Matt Sarah, I think. I don't. I don't think he ever got beat by. He he beat Kasha. Yeah, he beat okay, Kasha. Yeah. He got knocked out by Matt Sarah. Yep. The first time they fought, he, yeah. he clipped him with a, a hook punch, I think, 
and it dropped that was, him. That was forever ago, it seems. And if you watch their fighting styles, you would think, like, just the way George St. Pierre moves, he's so natural. Yeah. You'd think he's going to just whoop him in, like, a kickboxing match. Yeah. But there's that puncher's chance. Yep. And and uh, Massera could punch hard. Yeah. So if he catches you with that, you know, you could go down. Yep. But it doesn't matter how skilled you are. You're still yep. going to go down. So then you see St. Pierre come back out with his wrestling stronger than ever, yep. his shot stronger than ever, and he's not playing anymore. He's not going to play around with you, move around, nope. you know, just, you know, play kickbox. He's going to take the first opportunity, put you on your back. You're going to be on your back for the rest of that round. Yeah. And then he's going to come out and he's going to do it again. He's yep. going to put you on your back for the rest of that round and there's nothing you're going to be able to do about yep. it. And so he took away that puncher's chance. Yeah. You know? I think that's one reason why, like, I'm not big into boxing, but I like watching Terrence Crawford box yeah, yeah and and he likes to play around with people. our omaha guy yeah and i i, I, I love watching him boxes because he, he just plays with people yep and and i love that but talking he about was the on whole joe rogan recently did you watch that one? i did not watch that episode actually you need to watch it he's really well spoken is he he's really well spoken really cool down-to-earth guy so. awesome yeah uh, i'll have to do that yeah. no uh but i was i was gonna talk about you were talking about like the like the boxing mma matchup would be like uh Floyd Mayweather and McGregor, yeah, like total opposite like spectrum things, and and going into that knowing that that McGregor was gonna go in there and box, you you knew yeah. Floyd Mayweather was gonna win. Yeah, that. you you knew that okay. everybody was like, no, McGregor's gonna whoop his. He, he no. did really well. No, way. he McGregor did. He did. No, he really well. did. Surprising. But I mean, let, let's talk for a minute about the amount of stamina it takes to go that many rounds in boxing, oh, yeah. and the fact that that McGregor's like that that he's that he rode rode those rounds with him. Yeah, I mean. I you know props to McGregor for for doing that the best yeah. in the world and he, and, he went with him and you know and and you know I I I think that Mayweather's a little overrated that's me I'm again I'm not a big bo- into boxing but yeah. um that was definitely a really good I watched the fight I and it was well, I mean Mayweather he's made his money I don't even understand why he like here's the thing like for me I I'm not interested in fighting just for money yeah and that's that's part of why I went more like the corrections law enforcement route because. I'm not really interested. And it's partly just my personal values. I love watching this stuff. Yeah. And and I'm sure, like, it would be terrifying to get in the cage and, like, you know. Oh, right. Like, there's, no one can say with a straight face that they're not – they wouldn't just be, like, terrified, right? Right. But my my personal ethic, like, I don't really want to fight for, like, people's entertainment. Yeah. Or, or for money. Um, and, in fact, even in corrections or law enforcement, when you think about how much money you make, if you get in a five-minute – knockdown drag out brawl because five minutes is a long time for oh a yeah street fight yeah um you're only making like a couple dollars like a few dollars for yeah that like, fight, you right. know? like like i'm not getting paid because like you don't 10, have 000. the sponsors yeah exactly like you gotta okay. set that up ahead of time we don't have sponsors either so whatever <laughs> assholes <laughs> aquafina anybody no no we uh um no you're right and it's uh i forget somebody told me one time and it was uh when when uh oh what was it uh when lives matter seconds count mm-hmm. and 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 that really stuck with me a lot and I forget I, now I forget who even told said that to me but I've said it before and and when when seconds count help is minutes away right and that's kind of the the crappy part about that so like you said five minutes is a long time for a street fight it is a long time for a street fight and when you look at uh, some of those some of the fights you know in boxing MMA. I don't know where I was going with that. I, I had a thought, but it, it left. <laughs> it happens. I mean, it happens. Not all of us can be professional podcasters I'm like not, Jason I'm here. Not oh, yeah, okay, professional. <laughs> We're not even getting paid yet. What are you talking about? Yeah, no, but um, so yeah, I went that route because I didn't want to like 
you know, fight, you know, for money or, you know, anything like that. But at the same time, you got to respect the people who do because it's impressive. And I feel like if I had as many, as much money as Floyd Mayweather, why would you go get punched in the face by some guy? Like, why would you ever? <laughs> right? Like, why would you agree to that? So there, there has to be some level on which, like, he just has like love for the sport, you which, know? Oh, yeah, which does. happens oh, to a does. lot of in, in a lot of situations. I mean, look at people that have played played football forever. Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just loved the game. Yeah. You know, Peyton Manning was the same way. He didn't care who he played for. He just wanted to play. This guy's yeah. had you good linemen. Yeah. And 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 unfortunately, you get people that are like that. You know, in in every sport, they just like playing because. Yeah, if it's I, what they do, they if love I it. get like one million dollars, I'm never fighting anybody ever. I'm gonna hire some bodyguards. They're gonna keep me safe, keep me from getting into trouble. But no, I think I think martial arts are good for everybody to do though, because um, I know a lot of folks. You know, they're uh, they do the concealed carry. You know, they've got the mm-hmm. gun and stuff, but they also don't like they don't have a backup plan. Yeah, and they don't have a plan on how they're gonna get that out. Right. Yeah. Well, cause exactly. Because the, 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 the gun is the last resort. Yeah. yeah it should and, always and, be the last. And everything resort. that happens between the time where you actually pull out a gun on somebody. Yeah, you're right. A lot of them don't know how to fight or don't uh, don't ever think about that. They just think, well, I got the gun, so problem solved. Or a taser. Like, or there's a lot some of other instances form of... where if you pull out that gun and you shoot somebody, like it, it's your ass. Yeah. Yep. What are you gonna do when the drunk guy is just like pushing you? Exactly. Like you, you can't shoot that guy. Like, no, I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean you can, but it's not recommended well, yeah, yeah. if you if you want to be free. If you want the paperwork, I your mean. life is gonna get real complicated, yeah. and you're gonna find yourself stuck somewhere <laughs> with people like Josh and I telling you what to do. <laughs> right? Exactly. It's... I mean, do you really want me telling you what to do? I mean, look re- at me. You really don't trust no. me. It's a it's a bad situation. I'll give you diet advice. <laughs> yeah. No, I I give a lot of people advice on like you know trying to change your life young people i come in contact with yeah um, i give them some advice on kind of try to steer them in a different way because you know i let them know look you know this is where i see things going for you and i've been there and i don't think it's good so you need to do do do, do they respond pretty receptively to that um sometimes it's hard to tell because like when you can give them a ticket or you know make their life more difficult like sometimes when you choose to lecture them i guess they understand and they're like okay i'll I guess I'll just take this lecture. <laughs> right. Right. I'll, I'll make him look like I appreciate yeah, this. Yeah. So. But then it's different too. Like, cause you might respect what someone says to you, but yeah. at the same time, like your home environment and how you do with like respecting your parents is a different thing. It's hard to respect your parents all the time. I understand for all the kids out there, it's difficult to just do what mom and dad tell you to. <laughs> yeah. Right. Especially, especially in today's generation when, when media feel fuels so much of, so much hate towards everything. So much it's, outside influence. Yeah, yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. Well, uh, kind of one of the last things I want to touch on is uh, what would be some words of advice you would have for a young person wanting to go into law enforcement? Uh, wanting to go into law enforcement. I think now, like, education's a big deal, you know, and it depends on where you're doing the law enforcement, but it doesn't hurt to have a degree, like, no matter where you go. I think mm-hmm. it, it helps you get hired. Um, just a degree in criminal justice or anything any degree i would say um african-american studies sure okay why not um maybe maybe a little military experience too absolutely um i would say my experience is that you probably should have some um education or military experience Does that make it easier for promotions or something or like it definitely makes it easier for promotions it makes it easier to get hired um there's some places, and I see it more with like probation. I think they want uh, 
they want the uh, human services or some kind of uh, social sciences degree, like a like a psychology or okay. sociology or criminology, criminal justice, etc. Something in that vein, you know. Yeah. Um, but with uh, like law enforcement, I think a lot of places they see you've got a bachelor's degree. Um, obviously, you're not, you know. There, okay, there's a lot of people out there with bachelor's degrees who are a little obtuse. Yes. But, <laughs> a little. But it at least shows that you saw something You saw something through for four years. Yeah. At least four years, probably. Um, and you're able to retain some information. And you have the drive to learn. And you're able to think and learn and stuff like that. Yep. And so it gives some confidence that you're going to be able to absorb what they're teaching you and make good decisions, hopefully. Um, there's a lot of other factors that go into it, too. I would say the other thing besides education or, you know, military experience, um, keep your, you know, keep your goals in mind when you're making life choices. You know, yeah. um, Josh was ta- talking earlier a little bit about trying to dodge the cops with his weed, but <laughs> <laughs> as, as much as, as much as like weed and stuff is becoming legalized in more places yeah. and, and it's not seen culturally as like the big deal that it was before. Yeah. Um, there's still police departments are usually not going to hire you if you've had that recently. Yeah. And the more negative stuff, you want to stack the odds in your favor. No matter what you do in life, stack the odds in your favor. Whether it's fighting in a martial art, whether it's a street fight, whether it's getting, you know, five of your buddies there to to help you with a cell extraction, uh, you stack the odds in your favor. And when it comes to getting a job, education, stacking your education, your experience, and then your personal background, your credit, your, you know, criminal record, stuff like that, you know. Yeah. And look, there's people with some record and it's not that you can never get a – if you get a citation or you get caught with weed in, when you're in high school, yeah. it's not that you're never going to be a cop. So don't don't get it like that. Um, there's still – you know, you've got to look at individual um, agencies hiring practices. But definitely yeah. keep your record clean. Uh, get that education get experience doing something, you know, I don't think it should be your first job. Um, but that's a personal opinion. There's people who are 22 years old who are really good cops, but I think there's something, you know, to be said for experience and oh, yeah, cause absolutely. how are you going to relate to that? Um, like you guys, you know, we were talking about you guys working kind of factory type setting and stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's talking to me about how he like, breeze and sawdust and yeah. you know stuff like that and that, that doesn't sound it's that. not on purpose <laughs> it's not like yeah. he's snorting it like come on it's, it's not dirty cocaine saw, okay sawdust with his weed <laughs> oh. <laughs> no but um like that kind of environment like understanding that's how a lot of people work and that's what how they exist and i was telling him about how i used to work in agronomy and it was kind of similar. I'm breathing in all this junk and dust and everything like yep. that. I'm doing repetitive manual labor. Um, so I can see eye to eye with somebody who's done that kind of a job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I used to clean businesses. You know, I, I've i done some things. I, I've delivered papers. You know, yep. I've taught obnoxious children. You know, <laughs> like. Yeah, exactly. So, I, that's supposed to <laughs> so I've, I've done some things. And so I can relate to people who have done some yep. things. Whereas if your first job in life is you're in authority over people, and I'm sure you see that in the military, like yep. what is it like the second lieutenant with the, yep. the little uh, gold bar, whatever, yep, like yep. butter bar, who's, who's, who's yeah, always butter getting butter. lost and like, yep, late to the brief, yep. And look, you know, nothing, nothing wrong with that. No, not except at all. except that, you know, sometimes it's going to be people who are young, inexperienced, yep. 
and they need to realize that I'm young and inexperienced yep. and I need to, you know, be, be thoughtful and mindful of how I treat people because there is a different perception based on your age and experience. I feel like everybody's first job should be something in customer service. I, I I worked at a grocery store for six and a half years. And the one thing that I can tell you is the one thing that made me appreciate, because I I worked every position in the store except for deli and bakery. And I was even an assistant store manager for two and a half years of that six and a half years. And the one thing that like, like I like, I I hate going to a grocery store and people are like, Oh my God, what is taking them so long? God, them blinds are moving so slow. And I'm like, I'm like, you need to put yourself in their shoes though. Yeah. They've probably been here eight hours, seven, six or seven hours. They're probably getting ready to go home and they've dealt with people like you all day. Like be a little more patient. And that's, I feel like the, the world's lacking in patience right now. And it's, and it's really sad to see it because like I go to the store and people be like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, you know what? Don't even worry about it. Cause I've been in their shoes. I know what, I know what it's like to be them. Absolutely. And so you make a very solid point there. Yeah. There's no reason to be rude to people, um, especially people who make like way less money than you. Like if you see somebody who's making nine bucks an hour, treat them, treat them like a human, you know, treat them, treat them like you would want to be treated if you were doing that job for $9. Exactly. Um, And the same thing with um, like, I'm not a big like charitable giver. Like I, I should do a lot more than I do. Like I, I really don't give to charity. Um, but I do try to tip people well. Yeah, when absolutely. when they provide a service for me, I try to, you know, I try to treat people decent because they are actually out there. Like, I could give money to some corporation that they're going to keep some of it. Yep, and then they're going to give pe- some of those people need the money, but they also might give some money to people who probably should have taken the opportunity to, to earn their own money. Yeah, mm-hmm. or if they made their decisions a little different. And not to say that you know you shouldn't help those people. But I would like to help people who are actually doing services for me. Yeah. So if somebody um, cleans your hotel room, if somebody, um, you know, waits on your table, if somebody uh, cuts your hair or yep. makes your coffee, like, you know, treat those people decent for yeah. sure and give them a tip. Me and a guy that, that works with me just had this conversation because he we were he was outside on break and one of the guys that works there, he was, he was telling people how he never tips his servers ever. <sighs> And, and he, and he walked inside, he goes, he goes, dude, I almost lost it. Cause he used to be a server, yeah. you know, the guy that was listening to this. And I'm like, if you don't, if, if your service is bad, I'm still going to tip you. Yeah. But depending on how your service goes, depends on how right. big of a tip you're going to get. It might be 15%, it might be 25%. But the other thing is, I'm not sure how I feel about the tipping system. Yeah. Like, should you be allowed to only pay somebody like three bucks an hour? Yeah. Because they make money. In, yeah. Like, um, like that seems weird to me because you're you're having to it's good that people are providing service and I think in some ways it does help the customer service level improve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because people who get paid the same no matter what, it's hard to get them to care. Exactly. And and it definitely definitely changes things when you start looking at uh in terms of like service wise, yeah. the person who works harder is going to make more money. Exactly. And the person with the better skills are going to make more money. So if you're not making that much money, maybe you should start looking at the way you're. Don't you dare tell Bernie that. Oh, but man. It, also, oh. it also feels weird to me to uh, pay someone like $3 an hour and say like, oh, the rest of your money is going to come from just however much the customer feels like paying which which you. is shitty because if you have a slow <laughs> night they may walk out of there with $20. Yeah. You're almost like an you're almost like a business yeah. person as a server or something like you're you're hustling for yourself. Yep. You know, you're Now let me ask you this as a law enforcement uh individual it is discouraged to take tips. We especially cannot... from cartel members or gang members. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, here's 
different, um, obviously, tips from cartel members and gang members. <laughs> I would say any agency north of the border is probably um, has policies against that. Uh, in I addition mean, I to, they give the best tips. In addition to like the actual laws, um, but when it comes to like other things, like there's different policies in place. You yeah. Know? Like I know for myself personally, I can't really accept anything from anyone. Like. Yeah. Um, if somebody offers me like a discount on my food because I'm show up in uniform trying to get lunch during my break, nah, you better not. Um, you you got to decline that discount. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, they, they but there's the there's places I've heard. You know, places like Chicago. You know, I've heard that uh, you can go like um, people are expecting free food. Like an officer See, goes so in there, dumb. like they're expecting that they're going to cater to them and give them some that's, free food. That's dumb. And I don't I don't know if that's true. I might be wrong. Um, my source might be wrong, but I've heard that, you know, there's some expectation oh, yeah. of getting like discounts. And there's, there's people that probably do that intentionally. Uh, I'm the same way. Like there's like, I'll go to places and, and they'll be like, Oh, do you get a military discount? I'm like, I don't even care. Yep. Like it doesn't even matter. Like, um, it's just, it's one of those things. It's, I don't, I don't do it for discounts. Yeah. And, 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 and if you, I don't think it hurts to ask about the discount because, you have an obligation to your family mm-hmm. to uh, save as much of your oh, hard-earned yeah. money as you possibly can. Yeah, and a lot of those places do want to show genuine appreciation. Exactly, so, but there's there's a there's kind of a prickish way to go about it yeah, as well. Yeah, and th- exactly. I think that's what you're saying is is negative is when you go in there, you know, expecting that people are going to cater to you. Exactly, and no, it's I, I remember one specific we were we were doing we were on extra orders doing vehicle maintenance and stuff, getting ready for a possible mob and a bunch of us were we drove down to denny's for breakfast because it was early in the morning we were just hungry and uh we we're just sitting there and the waitress comes up and she goes hey just so you know all your food's covered and i was like i, I was kind of put beside myself because i never had that happen before yeah and apparently there was another guy who tried to pay for it but the other guy beat him first yeah and it's 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 interesting that that people do that but i just i i've never been the person that expected that from somebody yeah Another thing is like I'm pretty well paid, yeah. And I think there's a lot of cops and correction staff and you know people doing those kinds of jobs that are not well paid, yeah. And there's military people who are probably pretty well paid, and there's military people who are not well paid. And so like some of it probably it depends on how much money you have or how much money you're paying your people as yeah. to what the expectation of what kind of free services they can obtain, yeah. but. Yeah, don't 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 have that expectation, and and that's, it's just it's 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 good to see it, but at the same time, you know, don't don't expect it. Mm-hmm. Oh man, thanks for being here with us. Man, yeah, no problem. It's, it's been good a joy. I was I was excited when I heard you guys were doing that. Was a pleasure. This. I thought to, pleasure to meet you. It'd man. be kind of a, a fun thing to sit down and oh yeah, have a talk like old times. So yeah, sure. uh, I'm gonna throw this out there, um, an announcement. Uh, especially for our YouTube channel, you guys get ready. Josh is actually going to do the Wendy's T Rex challenge. That's right. Uh, here shortly. Um, it's nine Wendy's patties. Yes. In about what is it? Four minutes. I'm going to try and do it in under four minutes. But the big thing is, I'm going to do the challenge, and then I'm going to do a lap around the high school track. And we're going to film it, gonna and it's going to be on the YouTube channel. When we don't course. know, we're going to we're going to shoot for sometime this month. But look out for that because it's going to be epic. Also, if you guys like what you guys see. Make sure you hit that subscribe button because we need all the fans we can get. And definitely, if you guys are interested and you guys want us to talk about something, definitely email us at midwestmymelt at gmail.com because we, we really want to hear what you guys have to say too. 
That's right. And you heard it from from an LEO himself. Uh, if you want to be law enforcement, make sure it's not your first job. Make sure it's porn because you're going to get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Ribinga! Don't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy today. The gifts they want most are an incredible 50% off. That's right. Get 50% off all jeans, 50% off all sweaters, 50% off all outerwear today. Jeans start at just 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Everyone's favorite styles are on sale today, so don't wait. Hurry in for 50% off all jeans, sweaters, and outerwear at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. And soon. Valid 1120 to 1126 excludes in-store clearance and gift of the week.